0: What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 26 of the podcast I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my good friend, Mr. Pixelpar. Hey, guys. And joining us today, we've got George, Head of Doing Stuff, over at Super Rare Games. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for joining us, George. No worries. It's my pleasure.
1: I think Head of Doing Stuff's a bluff. I don't think he does anything.
0: I do. I, head, <laughs> of, head of Not Doing Stuff is probably better. Um... Well, I mean, if we're, if we're going by that, is that what we should call you, 2Pixel, or...? Hey, i get stuff done. (laughs) Eventually. Uh, So on this week's show, we're talking about Pokemon, uh, Super Mario Maker 2, and we're going to ask George some questions about physical gaming. So we've got a a pretty fun show ahead of us here, but let's kick things off by talking about what we normally do, what we're playing. Uh, George, since you're our guest, why don't you start it off? What have you been up to lately in the world of Nintendo Switch gaming? It's a good question. So, I mean, my kind of
2: my boring thing I've been doing is, um, I'll start with the boring thing. I've been playing a lot of Super, Super Mario Odyssey again, which is like a... Uh, a bit unconventional but i just 100% of it so that was pretty uh pretty decent but oh nice yeah i don't know it was kind of like um then someone told me i could do more stuff and i was like i've done in my head i've 100% of it so i'm not playing this anymore <laughs> wait wait
1: wait wait so you haven't actually 100% of it
2: no well i've basically got all the moons but then apparently there's like this other thing you can do to make your like ship gold or something
0: and i just can't be bothered to do it <laughs> em- emotionally he's hit 100% yeah
2: i mean definitely yeah i put it this way i have i 99.9 Centered it, but uh, <laughs> not to drag on too much about that. I've been playing some kind of cool indie games. Um, playing a lot of a uh, game called Max Me- Termination Force um uh, which is really interesting kind of like i don't know it's kind of, it's, it's a shame because like it came out at a very similar time to cuphead so people just obviously played cuphead um this very old school kind of run and gun sort of game where the you basically only fight bosses so you have these massive bo- oh, like, okay. boss fights these big mechs and stuff and the whole kind of idea is to try and work out how you need to take it down. So it's really really cool really really definitely recommend it definitely sort of like a hidden gem um on the eShop definitely didn't necessarily get as much traction as I think it, it could have done. It's a really, really amazing game. Definitely recommend it.
0: Yeah, I, I can't believe I haven't heard of this, but then you said it came out right around the same time as Cuphead, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense why we didn't hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. This is from the uh, creators of Gunman Clive, uh, right? Yeah, so there's
2: one guy called Bertil
0: Holberg, who's the developer,
2: and yeah, he made Gunman Clive, so he's kind of quite well known for that. Uh, and this is kind of like his next game basically and yeah i definitely recommend it it's really really interesting the boss fights are really unique all very different and it's kind of that similar sort of style you know, to fury or some stuff like that where it's literally just boss fights
0: which I like. I like i like that a lot yeah i like a good boss rush game
1: see when george starts bigging up a game then you've got to keep your eye out because he's probably going to get it on physical that's my new tactic
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, when can I expect a, uh, super rare version of
2: this game? <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, I mean, yeah, Max Nation Force is a good game to work on if we ever work on it, so, uh, yeah.
0: I really like the art style. Like, it has, like, a very, like, um, like, even just, like, the promotional material, it has, like, a very classic, like, old-school kind of look to it. Yeah. Like, it, ki- it kind of reminds me of, like, um... Like, I feel like a lot of the the character design is, like, almost like a Western take on Mega Man, Mm. like, just, like, these Mm. big, like, mechs, but they're not, like, like, they're very colorful, and they have, like, a kind of cartoony vibe to them.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a very, very smooth gameplay, and, like, every boss fight is so different and unique, and, yeah, as you said, the artistic style is really, really, really impressive. So, I'm playing a lot of that. Um, I think kind of the other game of note is Barbara is You. Yeah. So playing a lot of a lot of Barbara is You. It's such a, I mean, when it first was announced, I knew it's the game for me. Uh, that whole kind of so unique mechanics behind there. And yeah, I've really, really enjoyed my time on Barbara is You. Uh, I haven't completed it yet, just because I want to try and 100% everything. I, I just have this really bad mentality where I want to try and 100% everything.
1: <laughs> when I was talking to Steve, because I was playing it and talked to you guys about it like a few weeks ago, Steve kept asking me, like, which approach did you take? Because the way I'm doing it is I'm going through and doing each level and going down the little side tracks before I go forward. Are you doing the same thing or are you skipping?
2: Yeah, I'm the same. So I kind of have this really bad mentality where I have to complete everything in kind of like a set level. And yeah, I always do the side stuff. Before I can kind of move on. And honestly, it's like, it's ruined games for me. Just because you spend so much time trying to 100% something. And then you're like, start doing something that's not fun. And then you're like, I'm not having fun because I'm trying to grind this. And then, I don't know, the amount of games I don't finish because of that. I had some experience with a game called uh, Graceful Explosion Machine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Where I tried to, like, S-plus every level. And it just, like, it just destroyed me inside when I couldn't, like, 100% <laughs> everything. Mm. So, um... But 2 is amazing, really, really obviously unique gameplay, very Nintendo esque sort of game. And uh yeah, really enjoying that. Uh, it definitely kind of gets your brain working, which is uh is good good change of pace.
0: I was leaving you space to talk about the game that you love so much, Pixel, but if you're just gonna create dead air, that's fine, I guess I'll continue on.
1: <laughs> we've we've talked
0: about it like five
1: episodes in a row, I swear. Every episode, I'm like, yeah, I'm still playing Bab
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say, please, uh, from how much we've talked about on this show, I figured <laughs> yeah, I got to give you your platform to talk about it, you know? <laughs> Finally, there's another person who enjoys the game for you to talk with.
1: <laughs> True, but I haven't finished it yet, so I don't want to talk too much and spoil it for myself.
0: <laughs> well, so what have you been playing then this week, Pixel?
1: um nothing really uh i've had a bit of a a games drought through just life really taking over everything but i am playing a game that george actually sent me that we haven't announced yet so i can't talk about well i could but i'm not
0: gonna you could announce it right now what better place than here on the show that i host give it the views please (laughs) i'm begging you man
1: (laughs) no no we'll, we'll probably we'll probably announce it in a week or two maybe
2: yeah it's, it's never been like a fun thing because um cool idea of basically just giving you a game and just doing, just doing crazy stuff with it. I like loads of your pictures on, uh, on Twitter, like. It dressed up in very different
1: costumes. <laughs> just tormenting people, you know. It's all, all good.
0: Yeah. My favorite, I think, I think it was like a week or so ago, I saw somebody reply to one of your tweets, and they're like, man, I've been following you for a long time. I mean, no disrespect, but could you just ever once just fucking tell us what you're talking about <laughs> instead of sending me on like a national treasure goose chase? <laughs> 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 so uh, it's funny, because when I, I looked at the doc... And uh, it, you said Zilch, and I one hundred percent thought that was the name of a game that I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zilch, <laughs> brilliant! Game. I was like, "Oh, what's well, Zilch?" <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> so uh, for myself, uh, I've been working on um, two games this week. I played uh, in the Tetris Ninety Nine event that they did, where the uh, we talked about it on the, la- the show last week, um, where they did that promo event where if you gained. It was like a hundred points you had to earn mm-hmm. um, to unlock the uh, classic Game Boy skin, uh, so I wanted to snag that. I went in and put a put a little bit more time into Tetris Ninety Nine, and I really hope they do more of those events because I love that game. But um, I kind of need a little bit more carrot, you know, on the end of that stick to like get me to keep playing regularly. Mm -hmm. So like having um, that event to be a part of, like I got in and shook off the rust and after like I unlocked it, I actually just kept playing for a while because, you know, I was having fun. So I feel like if they can keep, you know, replicating that and just giving us like dopey little in-game rewards, um, I think that's a smart way to go to keep people engaged with the game. It's interesting about Tetris 99 is that I actually bought (laughs) online
2: just for... Just for Tetris 99. Really? Yeah, literally, I, I didn't own Nintendo Online until Tetris 99 came out, and then I've had it ever since. Um, which I guess is part of the goal, just to try and lure people in with that. Um, but yeah, really strong. I didn't play in the event, I haven't played in a while, actually. But it's just super addictive. I find it, I find it really difficult. I'm, I'm generally quite good at Tetris. But it's just, I always feel, I've never, never finished first place, I think. I think I finished like fifth once. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I suck, basically. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah it, it it made me realize that i was good at tetris but not nearly as good as i was giving myself credit for
2: i was right. like looking
0: up like pro strats i was like how do you actually get good at tetris like what are the high level strats that i'm just not aware of and i was uh I, I never really learned how to do it but i was practicing doing that um that rotation thing that people do where they rotate it, it as it yes yes yeah and I, like, finally, like, I, I got it, like, once or twice, but it's not, like, a regular part of my strategy yet. And I'm just like, man, I don't think I'll ever no. be a true Tetris master. <laughs> I remember
1: <laughs> I, I was looking up all the stuff, and you know, like, T-Spin stuff, advanced tactics. And I was reading about it. I was like, oh, great, I can do all this stuff now in Tetris 9-9. Because I've never got past, like, 12th. And I was like, oh, right, I'll learn all this stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, and to set it up, you have to do these 20... St- yeah, fuck that. I'll just lose... <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, it it was a little demoralizing, I'll say, because I remember when, like, at my peak of playing the game, I was getting first place, like, semi-regularly, like, it would be, like, maybe, like, once a night, or once every other night, and when I was playing the other day for the the event, like, the first couple games I played, I didn't even break, like, the top 70, I was (laughs) like, oh my god, how far the mighty have fallen. (laughs) Uh, but then I also picked up uh, Cuphead this week. I think I mentioned it two weeks ago on the show now. I bought it day one and just, like, haven't broken the seal yet because I think, honestly, because I was a little bit, like, afraid of, like, restarting that challenge because it's like, once I started, I have to beat it. I never beat it on my PC because that's just not really, like, how I like to play games. But I got to the third island, so, like, I I want to go back and beat the game. But, like, starting it up, I was like, okay, First island's easy. I'm, I'm knocking through these pretty quickly, and I got to like the first boss that gave me trouble, and I was like, "Oh, here we go."
1: <laughs> Which one was it? Which <laughs> boss did you is you know your weak point? It, uh,
0: it was um one of the first ones on the second island. It's the clown where he like he like turns into a, a roller coaster. Oh yeah, yeah. I hate you know, that, that guy? so much. That one is so hard. <laughs> I, that was like the first time I played that was the one that really tripped me up too because I remember when I played the like the garden you know mm-hmm. like it's like the I think the very first boss for most people um, I remember like the first time I played I was like okay like this is tough but I got in the rhythm of it and then I kind of got through the rest of the first island pretty quickly but as soon as I got to that damn clown like he, he's tough.
1: That, that was my turning point when I played it on because I was playing it through Steam Link like a few years ago with my missus. And playing it co-op so much harder than playing it single it's, player.
0: Oh my god, it's so much more difficult.
1: But
2: yeah, I gave up on the clown last time. <laughs> That's interesting. So I, I, I haven't even played Cuphead yet and I feel bad saying that, but I always wait for physical versions of games. You don't say! Yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally, I only, I only pick up games they're physical. So like Hollow Knight, which I think we might talk about later on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm waiting for a physical version, which is coming obviously, and then same with Cuphead. They've said they're going to do Expect probably a mass market retail release. Obviously, it's that kind of scope of game. Um, but yeah, so I, I haven't played it yet. So I really want to play it. Really, really want to play it. But I just, if there's a physical version coming, I'm not going to pick it up digitally yet. So hopefully, I'll be able to talk about it soon. But i really. It looks amazing. I mean, I've been wanting to play it for years now. So uh, hopefully, I'll be able to play it soon.
0: <laughs> so. Just to, like, pull on that thread a little bit, will you never buy a game digitally? Like, or just... If you think that there's a physical version coming, you're having to hold out for it. It it varies. I think when it's, like, a a top-scale kind of indie game, like,
2: it will 100% get a physical release, like, in some capacity. Whether it's, like... Because what will happen is, again, to go on, like, a slight tangent, a game will come out, like, a big an indie game will come out, and it won't get a mass-market retail release. And the reason will be is because... If you don't release it at the same time, the exact same time as the digital launch, no retailer will take it. Um so what usually happens is they wait until there's like content updates and stuff, and then when everything's patched in and everything's kind of, you know, the DLC, then they do a physical release, then they do a mass market physical release because it's that big a game. Um, and then there's obviously companies like Super R Games who will make physical indie games as well, so you kind of just know that there'll be a physical version. Um so yeah, it's been plenty of games that I I generally Put it this way, I don't complete games if they're not physical, uh, which is like a weird mentality. Okay. I play a lot of digital games, like for research and stuff. Um, but usually when I, what I do is I have this kind of weird situation where I'll buy a game di- digitally, play it for like an hour, and then I say to myself, okay, this is a good game. I'm going to complete it when it comes out physically. Um, mm, okay. So this happens a few times even with like super, Rare, like games we've actually released, super air wise, where what i would do is I'll play it for a few hours and be like, I love this game. And I'll wait for us to publish the physical version and then play it. Uh, which is an interesting mentality, but like, um, yeah, for me to like sink time into a game, I have to have the physical <laughs> version, which is, I think, more of like a, yeah, weird kind of, uh, yeah, a weird thing, any form decision behind it. I think probably the only game I can think in recent history that I've completed digitally was Undertale. Um, and I completed that digitally and then bought the physical version. And spent like, yeah, I don't know, spent crazy amounts of money importing it.
0: 100% worth it for Undertale. I understand. Oh, yeah, it's an amazing game. Amazing game. I might even get a tattoo of it at some point. Oh man, I'm, I'm actually about to get one too. I'm gonna get the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the Deltarune symbol, like the monster symbol. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I've got like a video game sleeve cooking here, so. I'm gonna get it added, uh, on the, the side here.
2: Awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I, I was gonna get just the love heart. Um. Oh, okay.
2: And yeah. then maybe like stay determined or something. I'm not sure yet. Um, I'm going through a transition period with getting a lot of tattoos, so, uh. So yeah, I'll be joining you soon with that big sleeve.
1: <laughs> Should have seen uh, Pete's face light up as soon as you said Undertale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, yes! You, got, you managed to get me
1: and Steve to play it when it came out on Switch. was like, you've got to play it, you've got to play it. Oh, and we're going to record like main topics of the podcast for like three weeks talking about Undertale. <laughs> Such a mega right. fan.
2: It is an awesome game. <laughs> such a good game I played the first well, the first time I played it I did like the um ultra hard ending where you kill nothing um mm-hmm. and then the one where you have to complete it and then you have to go back and then complete it again um there's like the there's like three endings right It's like the neutral which is the one you get the first time and then you have the pacifist and then you have like the extreme pacifist I can't remember what it's called but um so I've literally went, I played until for hours and hours and hours and I've never killed any enemy ever and it, and there's like the, there's like the other ending, which is like the genocide route
0: or whatever. And I, I just can't bring myself to do it because I don't want to kill. Oh games yeah, in the world. No, I would never do. Like I remember when we played it. As soon as we were done, pixels like I think I might go do the <laughs> genocide ending and see what it is. And I'm like, you're a fucking monster. How could you play through the game and get the ending to like where they talk about? that whole experience and to just be like, yeah, no, I want to go see what it's like. It's like, you're a bad person.
1: (laughs) To be fair, fair, I think I only, like, you know, saved one person in it when I played through my first run just because you have to.
0: Really? You're such a
2: monster. (laughs) I literally can't kill anything. The amount of times, like, in dialogue where I was like, am I... Like, the, the amount of patience you need where an enemy will be literally telling you, like, kill me, kill me, like, attack me, attack me. And they're like, no, I'm not doing it. And there's so many like it's so difficult sometimes when you're trying to I can't remember which boss fight it is. But um I remember fighting him or whatever and literally he'll be like attack me, attack me, attack me and I'm like, I don't wanna
0: help <laughs> <have> you <laughs> so.
2: But yeah, that's uh you got a good taste in games if you like Undertale, that's uh appreciated.
0: Uh, so do you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so jumping to the news we've got uh, a packed show this week which is great because it's been, it's been a little news light these last couple weeks uh, when it comes to nintendo stuff um so kicking things off we've got um the confirmation of like customizable clothing for pokemon trainers coming to pokemon sword and shield and uh we we got this it, it came from um utgp which is um or no 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 I'm sorry. It's, um, how do you say that? It's, it's Uniqlo? Uniqlo. Uniqlo. Okay. Uniqlo.
1: (laughs) So Uniqlo is like a t-shirt store that just take loads of like third party designs and stuff, print on them. And they've got retail stores in the UK and I think the US and Japan. Okay,
0: I've literally never heard about them until this story. Um, but they're, they're doing this, a a global t-shirt competition, right? Where, um, you know the winner of whatever, like, of this competition's design would actually get to be a uh, an item in the game, which is obviously very cool, and mm-hmm. got people thinking about, you know, what what your kind of trainer customization options are going to be in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, but then there was kind of uh, a bit of an unfortunate wrinkle to the story. Um, we, we got a <laughs> follow-up about it uh, from... Uh, Twitter user at fake slurpuff who was saying that the winner of the uh, t-shirt contest plagiarized themselves Uh, so but then you said that it was found out that it was actually somebody else
1: yeah it's really really weird it's a very muddy story (laughs) (laughs) so basically it was like the rules were design a brand new t-shirt that's never been published before brand new design and then submit it and you'll get your t-shirt in the game if you win and I think you get like ten thousand dollars But the guy that's won it now, um, apparently, it's not 100% sure, but he's either used a design he was selling in the past and submitted that, which was against the rules, or he's taken someone else's design, tweaked it, and then put it on the shirt and submitted that. Either way, he's technically (laughs) broken the rules. (laughs) But yeah, it's cool that we get confirmation about t-shirts in Pokemon Sword and Shield.
0: Yeah, it's in this... This very messy roundabout way, but yeah, very, very cool <laughs> bit of news. Um, I think I saw, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or if it was on the Discord or something, but I remember Steve was saying um, that he was kind of praying for a, um like, Animal Crossing style, like, pattern editor in the game where you can just make your own custom clothing. I don't imagine that we're going to go to that
1: extreme. But no, I just keep reminding myself it's Game Freak, you know. Oh, this this would be really cool if it was in it. Oh wait, it's Game Freak, you know. Tone it down. It's like it
0: it would be really cool, but <laughs> uh, I I think it's far more likely that we'll just see more stuff like this, where there will be like competitions, maybe some brands pay some money to get their logo in the game or something like that, and mm-hmm. whatever, which is cool. Um, I, I I would really love to just have. Even just a slight bit more uh, control over what your trainer looks like because I don't – I don't know. I've never been somebody who's like super needs full character customization options, but there's nothing I hate more than what Nintendo does where they like give you options but the options are so limited that like it's not easy to make something that actually feels like representative of like what you look like, you know? So it's kind of like, all right. Do, well, do you what's... want
1: a blue hat or a red hat?
0: Yeah. Right. It's, so it's like, what's the point? You know, like if it, <laughs> either let me go all out and like play with sliders and stuff and whatever, or like don't. You know, like I, I, it always bothered me, especially like you know when when I when I had my hair blue and everything, where it's like you can't give me a color slider so I can pick what color I want my hair to be. It's like they're like, do you want to be blonde or brunette or have black hair? It's like that's it. That's the spectrum yep. we've got here. <laughs>
1: Blue does not exist.
0: Or, like, I don't even think there's, like, a redhead in in Sun and Moon. I'm just like, what if I was Ginger? Like, it's no options. Like, okay. <laughs> give me some freckles. Like, something.
1: I don't know. I really hope they put the uh, option in to be bald, because you always play as a kid, and you could be a bald kid,
0: you know? Hey! Looking like a little old man. It happens, man. Some kids are bald. Like, you gotta give them the option. <laughs> Uh, so, um, moving right along, we also got the news that uh, the next issue of Coro Coro is, uh which is due out next month, is supposed to have the, quote, latest information for Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, so it's coming out on June 21st, so not quite as close as I would like. Um, but, you know, in a month's time, it, it will have, you know, seemingly probably the next big info dump about Sword and Shield. This is like a very kind of you know, this happens every Pokemon generation, right? There's at least one or two of these big Koro Koro, like, cover stories where they really dive into some of the mechanics. I imagine we'll see some new Pokemon revealed for the first time, so uh, this is very exciting.
1: I am excited for it, and I'm not, because the way they've written it, which was, I think, um, Cerebi, you know, Joe Merrick translated it, Latest Information... doesn't say it's new information so it might just be like an e3 recap because i presume we're gonna get stuff at e3 anyway
0: yeah and that's definitely possible considering like the timing but i I guess my my excitement level for it is definitely like directly tied to how they've done this in the past you know or like Mm -hmm. i i remember um i remember even as far back as like gold and silver i think like the first time i ever we ever saw quilava was in Like, one of these Koro Koro leaks, they call them, but they're they're not leaks, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I hope you're wrong. I definitely think it's good to temper expectations whenever we have an announcement like this around the corner, but... uh, I, I hope that we get at least a little bit more than that. June
1: the 21st will come round. Everyone will like be uploading these scans of Karakara Kara magazine and just be in big letters on the front, like, T-shirts available in Pokemon Sword and
0: It's just, it's whatever be it. whatever design ends up replacing the cheater's design. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to wade in with my, like, I don't know what the word
2: is, my uh, pers- pessimistic, that's it. The opposite of optimistic. Uh, where, like, with Pokemon I've kind of just I'm kinda of beyond that now, where I was so obsessed with Pokemon for like five years that I'm just now so like post post Pokemon. Um
1: and <laughs> It's got post
2: Pokemon yeah, depression. So. Like literally so Pokemon X and Y so was that Gen Six. Um Yes. I was obsessed with that generation where literally, you know, I played online competitively. I, you know, EV trained, Ivy bred. Like, I literally spent like thousands of hours on that game. And I think ever since then, I've just been so like, I don't know. I think, I think I've burnt myself out. I think I've, I've killed Pokemon. Oh. myself. Like the whole kind of competitive Pokemon game <laughs> is so fascinating. And I spent so much time, like, you know, lo- knowing all kind of the tiers and stuff, the OU, the UU, all these kind of different stuff. Spent, you know, ages and ages and ages studying Pokemon, understanding how to, you know, get yeah, IV breed, which is like some, you know, super convoluted method. And, um.
0: It's deep. It's deep math. It
2: is deep. It's really deep. Like I loved it. I spent, you know, I remember spending maybe, you know, 50 hours trying to breed, you know, a shiny Greninja to have maximum IVs and stuff. Like I spent, mm-hmm. you know, ages doing this stuff. And then I think I've just got to the point now where, you know, since X and Y I haven't completed a Pokemon game and I'm just so it's weird because competitive Pokemon was always kind of for me the interest I wasn't really too fussed by a story because it's always rare to be repetitive and it kind of bugged me that I'd have these Pokemon with really poor like EVs and IVs and um, for like a nerdy nerdy person like myself it was always kind of painful to have like I don't know yeah even like natures and stuff I'd have my Ninja with you know yeah poor attack stats or whatever uh, also, yeah, poor special attack stats and, I don't know, a good defense and they really annoyed me and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I don't know, I'm just disillusioned by it. So that's kind of why for the last two points I've kind of just been staying here, like, wading in my despair of how I'm, I no longer <laughs> am infused by Pokemon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's my fault, not, uh, not Game Freak or Nintendo or anyone else's
1: fault. Are you not gonna pick up Sword and Shield? Or Sword or Shield?
2: I'll get both of them because I want them in my collection. Um, I've got Eevee and um, Eevee and Pikachu. Let's go. Oh, yeah, let's go, Eevee. Let's go, Pikachu. I haven't I've opened either or played either, but they're both there because I'm a collector. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: there is a constant reminder. Do you think there's anything that could win you over with Sword and Shield, or you just kind of think you're done? For, for, for me, the thing that kind of always
2: kind of... It, it reminds me of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because I used to be really into Yu-Gi-Oh! as well, like the trading card game. You're 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 a man after my own heart. That's good, man. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to, um, I was obsessed with YuGiOh. I went <laughs> to tournaments. Like spent you know hundreds of pounds on cards. Had a big collection and stuff. And then I stopped playing for a year or two, and then came back. And then all the rules had changed. All the different you know there's so many different themes that to just jump back into is kind of difficult. um So so yeah, with Pokemon, I don't know. I don't know what can win me back really. It kind of has to be. Yeah, I don't think it can win me back. I think I'm just so. I think every time they announce a new starters, it always feels like there's a lack of inspiration. In a sense, they, they've outplayed every single, you know, type of thing you could ever do. You know, they have a Pokemon based on garbage. They have a Pokemon based on a, you know, penguin. They have, you know, there's all these different things that you, you can't really create a new inspiring character. Um, so for me, it's like, there's just so many Pokemon. I kinda liked it when there was, you know, even 500, 600 Pokemon Gen six, I think there was, and you kind of could know most Pokemon and know. I don't know. I, I won't ramble too
0: much about my yeah, my sadness. <laughs> or... I hate
1: Pokemon so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's 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 funny because I I definitely um, I I had. A very similar experience with Pokemon uh, that you're describing a little bit earlier uh, in Gen Four. That was when I like first got into Eevee and IV uh, or EV training and IV breeding and everything, and um, I did that faithfully like through X and Y, and like I still played Sun and Moon, and I still do competitive Pokemon battling, but cool. I kind of limit it all to uh, Pokemon Showdown mostly these days, yeah. just because. I don't have the attention span to do the breeding and to go find a chat room or go on Serebii and, and make matches with people to do battles and stuff. It's like, I want to just, you know, have an easy time and yeah, definitely. get to, like, explore or whatever. Because during the Sun and Moon generation, I got into VGC for the first time because I was always, like, a smoking guy. Um, like, you were describing OU and UU and all that stuff. And uh, I, I'm still engaged with it in that way, but I definitely have a hard time like getting excited for the idea of like breeding again. Oh you yeah, know, like yeah. that's it's, something I don't I think, well, think when you do once and then it's like you spend you know, I made this like, like um I
2: remember at school, um Simon so must have been fifteen, we did this big tournament where it was um a monotype tournament where everyone would breed their own, you know
0: Are you kidding me? I did the me and my friends did the exact same thing in, in high school <laughs> at the same
2: age. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious so literally yeah we spent like you know we had a couple weeks to prepare and you know i think i made a poison team i think you know we all like randomly assigned um pipes and stuff and yep. you know i spent hours breeding you know pokemon getting the the perfect pokemon leveling them up getting the ev training and um yeah i think at that point i was like i'm never doing this again like i I that spent i spent so long in it it was so satisfying to have it um but yeah i was similar i played a lot in showdown uh, but yeah, to play actually kind of online in, 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 uh, yeah, in the game was, uh, yeah, was a little bit of a, a struggle really.
0: Man, I, that's so funny. I can't believe that you, you guys did that exact same thing. <laughs> I won instantly as well, so I was happy. I, I came in third place. I was a little disappointed. Um, Damn. but you know, not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I think the the only game I lost was against Steel. Well, obviously Steel versus Poison was never going to be a good time, so... Uh, Not a good matchup. No, it couldn't, couldn't be worse. It's funny. In, uh, in our tournament, the the Poison player ended up beating um the Steel guy with a Toxicroak. Right. I was like, man, Toxicroak's a G.
2: Good fighting, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, he? So, um... yeah.
0: Yeah. He just would he substitute Swords Dance Drain Punch and just could not do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, that's the
2: thing. You literally can't do anything against it.
0: Yeah, when you get sub up, you just yeah, it can be a really nasty time. So I could I could sit here and talk about competitive Pokemon all day, but I see Pixel's eyes just glazing over, <laughs> so
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> I, I like played Gen One and then, you know, didn't play any of the others, so i I, I just i know you catch pokemon and then you battle them and then (laughs) you have fun and a jolly old time and that's it that's (laughs) my take on pokemon that's
0: pretty much what it is (laughs) it's so funny because when i I just remember like you know when we started doing this show and everything like i'm a huge pokemon guy so i think Mm -hmm. like that's kind of renewed pixel and steve's interest in it and like when he was like he worked on a video um like decoding we did one together with map analysis and then pixel did one alone which you can go check on on our youtube channel that's um just like getting into deciphering the language and like and everything and like trying to find all these deep clues and I was like you went from being like oh yeah I played red and blue like you know 20 years ago or whatever and now you're like just sitting there going frame by frame through all the trailers <laughs> I, I just yeah. like
1: puzzles man give me a puzzle I'll try and solve it
0: I don't care what it is I just imagine you at home with just, like, you know, a big cork board. You're trying to, like, <laughs> find a murderer, you know? <laughs> uh. So before before we get off of Pokemon, uh, there is one last bit of news here. Uh, PokeLand um, is the—well, okay. So a while back, we talked about a, a new mobile Pokemon game coming out um, that has now reemerged as Pokemon Rush slash Scramble SP— uh, it's coming to Android and iOS. Um, this is... I, I can't even remember when we first talked about this, but it, it was, you know, um, a couple months ago, I guess, where there was a rumor about about a new Pokemon mobile experience around mm-hmm. the corner. We speculated quite a bit about what it could be. And now we, you know, we get this first look at it where um, it, I think if there was already a a Pokemon Rush game before this, right? Where it was yeah, a similar style with It
1: wasn't Pokemon Rush, I can't remember what it was called. Pokemon Oh, Pokemon Quest. Yeah, Pokemon
0: Quest is the free one. Yeah. Is it?
1: That's not that right? And that came out on Switch and
0: Android. Yeah, and that that is it does look kind of similar to that, but this was I was thinking of another one. Oh you know, you know, you know what it is? It's it's um Pokemon Rumble. And this is this is made by the same studio, Umbrella. Mm-hmm. And Rumble were like I think they were originally on Wii, and I think there was one on Wii U. And it was, like, all the Pokemon were, like, toy. Like, they looked like they were, like, little dolls, kind of. And it was a similar kind of, like, like beat-em-up slash RPG thing, you know? Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so this is, like, it seems like it's very similar to Pokemon Quest Mm -hmm. and Pokemon uh, Rumble, where it's just kind of, like, you have a Pokemon that, like... You're, you're going through these stages and kind of, like, beating a, a, a group of, like, you know, lesser mook Pokemon and getting a bunch of resources that you can use to upgrade your team and, and you get ore, which is, I'm assuming, going to be the currency that you use to upgrade things and buy new stuff for your base or whatever it is. So, I mean, it seems like a very traditional mobile game mm-hmm. and experience it's, with Pokemon. It's even got skin.
1: microtransactions. That's how traditional a mobile Yay. game it is.
0: So I am not interested in this game at all and will not play it. So um, <laughs> this, if I have anything to say about it, this is the last time we'll talk about it.
1: <laughs> so remember folks, write in and tell Pete all about it every week.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you've got opinions on it, shoot, then I don't have to play it and you can waste your time and I'll just relay the message to the potheads out there. <laughs> Fine by me. Uh, so next up, this is a little piece of news um, that exists in, a, I think, a perfect Venn diagram of both of your interests. Uh, Fangamer has delayed the Hi- Hollow Knight physical retail release for Nintendo Switch and PS4, which I think we've talked about twice now, maybe? Which Because Pixel's obviously very excited about this. Three, big- three
1: times, I think, because first three they, they cancelled their original deal
0: and then Fangamer got it and now they've delayed it right. again. Right, <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so, in the ongoing saga of people who just want to buy a physical copy of Hollow Knight, uh, we have another update that it has been delayed. The North American release is still on track for May 31st, uh, but for the, the rest of you uh, out in Europe, uh, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Um, so, I, it's un- unfortunate. Yeah. But, you know, it, it is still coming. Yeah, I'm going to bang quickly about this because um, obviously. I work in physical products. And one key thing that I have
2: is like an ethos is we don't put something on sale until we have it in our hands. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't even announce it until we have it in our hands. And this mm-hmm. is kind of a mentality that's been lost generally. Um, and the reason it's been lost is mainly for cash flow issues. You know, if we start taking pre-orders, then we know we've got enough money to safely buy the copies and we can actually, you know, more correctly order them at the right amount. Sure. So, so I can kind of sympathize in some ways, but it's just generally, you know, when you're dealing with the physical products, I don't know, when you announce a date, you should know, like, you know, we've got our next three or four games in production, some of them are already in people's hands, like, you know, yeah, Pixel has our 17th game, which hasn't even been announced yet, he's got it in, our, in his hands, you know, we've got 5,000 copies sitting in our storeroom, or 4,999 copies in our storeroom, <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, we're really always really ready to go, so I kind of, I don't know, whenever something's, like, delayed, or, like, there's a really massive pre-order on something, I kind of get a bit annoyed, because it kind of is taking advantage slightly of consumers um yeah i know it kind of annoys me but the other reason it annoys me is they announced the u.s version so i bought the u.s version and then they were like oh yeah by the way we're doing it in europe like a few weeks later so (laughs) i was like oh cool thanks i've just ordered the american version spent a lot of money when i could have just waited for it i could have you know bought off amazon and it would have come you know in a day when it's out and it'd be loads cheaper so I'd be. I'm a bit annoyed by it,
1: but I did the same thing. But I emailed Fan Gamer and cancelled my order from them did so you. that I could get it from. I think I got it from the game collection in the end, and um, but obviously now, right. now I'm not going to get it for another month. So you'll probably get yours before mine anyway. Ah, <sighs> fun times.
0: And I, I just feel like it's a thing that, like, to your point, George. Like, if they had just been a little clear on the messaging, because like I don't mind. Companies, like, having pre-orders to want to – to, like you said, just have a better idea of, like, what the – gauge the interest level, how much do they need to print. Like, totally understand that being the cost of business. But in the same breath, I feel like then make the announcement, hey, these are all the regions we're doing it in. Take the pre-orders. Calculate how many you need to print. Print them. Then give us a release date. You know, don't tell us, oh, it's coming out yeah. here. Oh, we didn't make it. We didn't make it. We didn't. And I'm not And I'm not – I'm not going to get bent out of shape about something like this, but it does, it feels bad, right? You're excited for it, you already slumped your money down, and now you got to wait a little bit longer, which is disappointing and could probably have been avoided with just a little bit of, you know, better planning. And that's always the most frustrating thing, is when it could have been avoided.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing, I think, so with physical products in general, there always will be delays. Like, with Superhead, there always will be, like, for example, a game I just got an email literally a second ago uh, saying one of our games has been approved. This is like our 19th or 19th game, I think. Uh, been approved for production. And there was loads of delays with it, but the delays make no impact for us because we were so far ahead of schedule and we haven't committed to any timelines yet. So it kind of works quite well. Um, for me, what's cheeky about it and probably the cheekiest thing about it is when you think about selling games, the, the most money you're going to make from a physical release will be via direct consumer selling. I.e., you're selling directly from your website. So Fangamer would have made the most money from any sale placed on their website, which is the first kind of medium they had for you to buy games.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, whereas in the European stuff, obviously they're not selling a direct to consumer. So they're going to make a, a lot less money on each copy sold in Europe. So what they probably, they probably don't, I, I expect they did it on purpose, which is announce the, the, the North American version. Know that loads of European people will buy it. Um, send some people like Pixel will cancel their orders. Unsensible people like me won't cancel the order, <laughs> um, and they'll make more money from those versions. So it's kind of, I think that's probably the, the slightly deceiving, but uh, but yeah, I guess it's uh, the way the world.
0: <laughs> I think what this... Are you look... Oh, good, no, go ahead, Pixel, I was just going to make a stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> no go ahead then i want to hear this stupid joke (laughs) i I was just gonna say i think what this story has shown me is that um that joke business that i talked about a few episodes ago crazy pete's uh discount imports is really there's Mm. there's a future there you know i just buy up a bunch of these (laughs) north american copies and sell them to unsuspecting europeans
1: it's genius have you played hollow knight yet george are you literally waiting for this physical release to come out
0: I know, it's exactly the same category
2: as what I was talking about earlier with, um, Cuphead, where I know it's an amazing game, I appreciate it, I've watched loads of videos and it, I understand it, I understand why it's amazing, but, I'm gonna wait, because
0: that's me.
1: <laughs> oh, such a good game.
0: Well, I guess, unfortunately, you'll have to wait just a little bit longer. Exactly, exactly. So thanks for breaking the news to me. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad we could be here to support you through it, you know? It's very true, it's very, very true. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it doesn't affect me because I've bought the American one, doesn't it? So we're uh, good. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you're fine. <laughs> so uh, Pixel, to you, my condolences. <laughs> hey, I've got I've got a
1: digital. I can replay it, replay it, and then when it finally arrives, I'll put it <laughs> in its finally. spot on the shelf, and I'll be like, ah, finally.
0: Alright, so our last items on the news list this week both come from the Super Mario Maker Direct, which happened last week. Um, in true Nintendo fashion, they announced and had a Direct uh, the day after we recorded last week's show. <laughs> so here we are playing catch-up. Always seems to happen that way, doesn't it? They do on purpose, man, I swear it. They, I know, they know, they know. They're still mad at you for leaking... Uh, Pokemon Let's Go at this point so they just go out of their way to just screw our our production schedule
1: which <laughs> there's one guy working at Nintendo dedicated to screwing everything we do it. it's like,
0: fuck Pixel Par man that guy <laughs>
2: if you can add to that I think I mentioned Pixel a few, a few months ago or something make that Every time we announce a game, there's also a direct announcement at the same time. So we never get news coverage. No. Um, so, like, so funny. I, don't know, I think there's <laughs> one guy who just hates everyone. And just is like, every time they know a company <laughs> can do an announcement. Um, and there's been times where like, our games go on sale at the same time as the director's on and stuff. And it's like, you know, we plan this months ahead and you had to just choose the one time and, you know, even, like, I won't be on the website because I'm watching the direct as well, so it's um, bastards.
1: I remember talking <laughs> to you. The week you said, oh, like, you mentioned that, you're like, oh, it always happens. You watch, there'll be a direct because we're announcing on Thursday. Yeah. And that exact Thursday, <laughs> there's a Nintendo oh, no. Day direct. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, funny.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've learned to, to live with it, and luckily, press coverage isn't, like, necessarily what gets our sales. It's just our existing community, but, um, but yeah, it's never ideal. It's never ideal.
1: There's only one logical solution that you've got to do a super rare direct.
2: It's true. And it has to get has to then get more coverage than
0: Nintendo's directs,
1: which um, Yeah, easy. Easy done. Easy. Easy.
0: Yeah, easy. We'll just <laughs> we'll just post it on our website and obviously we have the same, you know, circulation as Nintendo's YouTube channel. Be <laughs> fine. Yeah, exactly. Easy, <laughs> easy stuff. Forget it. We'll create our own direct, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh i don't i don't feel like it's worth going through all of the things that they announced specifically at this point the direct's been a week old you either care about super mario maker 2 and watched it or read the recap or you don't so i don't feel like it's worth it going line by line let's just talk about the direct as a whole um what was to both of you what was your excitement level for super mario maker 2 prior to this direct and after this direct
2: I can answer this question very simply, which is, um, I didn't watch it, so I'm not interested.
0: <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. For me, it's always games that I know to enjoy it, I'm gonna have to spend hours and hours, like, I don't know. I, I just, it just, I don't know why it hasn't appealed to me. Maybe because it was just on the Wii U, the first one, and therefore I didn't play it. Um, even though I did play Wii U a little bit, I just, just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I even had the first Mario Maker. But I think I've ever played it. So um for me, the Marraker 2 just... I don't know. I'm sure it'll be cool. And I'll, I'll obviously buy it because I buy everything. Uh It's whether I'll play it, which is uh no question. But yeah, so I've lived it. But just saying, so four player multiplayer sounds kind of interesting.
0: Because um, we've playing a lot, actually. Over hey, playing.
1: hey, hey. You're not allowed to skip ahead. So
0: here's the thing. I, How dare you I, skip I was very ahead. confused by this because I I saw that we published an article about it after the fact. And I was like, didn't they show that in the direct? <laughs> like...
1: I don't know. I didn't watch I remember, it like, days <laughs> later.
0: Like I saw all these articles, and it wasn't just us. People were like, "Oh, there's four player multiplayer coming." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Sorry, I, you that. I, was, I saw it in the document. I was like, "That's kind of interesting." <laughs> Similar to you, George, but I, I have the opposite takeaway. Where like I didn't play the original because I like I had a Wii U, but I just wasn't super engaged with it. And yeah, I played a little bit of the original at another friend's house or whatever uh, back in college, but. I really didn't spend much time with Mario Maker. So um, I was already interested in it because I was like, oh, cool. Maybe this is my chance to jump in and see what all the fuss was about. But this direct really got me excited. Um, Just there's a lot of really cool new tools in the toy box. And I don't like, I'm not the kind of person who is going to go and make levels in Mario Maker. That's never really been my cup of tea when it comes to gaming. Um, But I could definitely. I know I'm going to pick this up. I know I'll beat the story mode with the 100 Nintendo-created levels, and then I think if I'm still in it, I could see myself sinking a lot of time into just exploring, you know, the, the top levels every week or so, because I just love 2D Mario games. The 2D stuff, yeah, I don't know. like there, It doesn't ever feel like
2: there's... I don't know. I feel like I'm just, I'm just chatting shit about all the <laughs> Nintendo franchises. So I've um, I, I played a lot with my girlfriend recently, just because it's kind of quite accessible for her. Um, the Super Mario Deluxe U, whatever it's called. Right. Um, and that's fun, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know how, like, inventive it gets afterwards. Like, after, you know, so many, you know, generations of,
0: uh,
2: of Mario 2D
0: games. But, um... That's kind of my... Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my thing with the Mario 2D games is, like, I actually prefer... I prefer 2D platformers to 3D platformers almost as a rule. Right. Um, but with Mario, I think that since the new Super Mario Bros. series on the DS, I feel like there hasn't been enough innovation uh, in, in 2D Marios, which is why I'm actually interested in Mario Maker, uh, just because it is, you know, like, there are all the classic options, and it's kind of this, ideally, this never-ending well of, of creativity... For these kinds of levels by seeing things you'd never see in a regular 2D Mario game, but still in that, you know, familiar formula and everything. So I, I, I like I totally get what you're saying um, and I, and I agree with it in terms of I think the mainline series, but I feel like the the kind of wild card of of the fan creation actually is like really like keeping me engaged with this where I'm like, I, I feel like this could really scratch that itch for me in a way that yeah. a game really hasn't in a while. Cause I enjoyed, I played new super Mario bros U when it was on Wii U and I liked it fine, but you know, I don't, I don't feel like there's any 2d Mario game since like Mario land that really, really has um, reached the caliber that the original four games do.
1: I think I'll probably pick it up just so I can play those like hundred levels. Because it's essentially a Mario game that you're getting, and and like a DIY build your own Mario situation. Yeah. Um. So I can build Pete. I can build Pete some really hellish courses and challenge him to complete them.
0: I would love that. I think that would be such a good YouTube video or like Twitch stream or something. Just like let's find the worst levels we can find and just queue them up for me, <laughs> and I'll play until I like literally until I just get frustrated and quit. I, I never, I
1: never played the first one, but can you like make impossible courses or? Does that? Have-
0: oh, totally. Well, I, I don't think you can make ones that physically can't be completed. Is the yeah. thing
2: I, I remember. So the only the only experience of how was Super Mario Maker is I used to um I watch a few kind of like Mario, like g- like general like Odyssey kind of speedrunners and stuff, and sometimes they kind of venture into like uh, Mario Maker stuff, and there was like a few interesting videos where like, I think like the way it works is to actually submit the level you have to complete it yourself or something. Um, so you can't create like an actual impossible level but like, it has to actually be if you can't solve it then they don't allow it I think is the the way it works Um okay but I think there's loads of interesting videos where people try to make actually impossible levels where they can like trick it to actually being completed but then no one else can and there's a few really interesting series where people try and like break it Um, I think someone did it I can't remember um, but yeah so you make really obviously difficult levels but if, if you can't complete it yourself then it can't
0: be
1: Copying uploaded. I think. Oh man, I'll I'll find a way, Pete. I'll find a way.
0: Well, the thing that you can do is you can totally cheese people. Where you can make it where it's like, oh, you can only advance if you have this item, but I'm gonna hide it in a hidden block somewhere that's like not easily accessible. You have to know exactly where it is. Like, there's plenty of stuff you can do to make it like frustratingly difficult, even if it's not impossible, right? (laughs) There's always a way. There's always a way. There's always a way. Uh, so aside from that, Nintendo also detailed uh, the game voucher program, which is a new thing that they're doing where you can essentially like pre-order two games that de- or not necessarily just pre-order. There's several games that are available right now, um, but you can buy two games for uh, it's ninety nine ninety nine in the states, uh, ninety nine euro or eighty four pounds, mm-hmm. um, or 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 quid quids perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> uh so this is obviously like a, a a pretty good savings like you know in the states you're saving about 20 bucks um to get two of these games plus you also get the added bonus of um what is it i think it's 10 percent of the sales or whatever five percent in in gold coins um so like you get 420 coins in um in uh the uk 495 in uh the eu and 500 in the states so there's it's not like as comprehensive as you might hope i saw a lot of people complaining about the list of games but like i see those complaints and respond with you're a big baby like it, it's you're saving 20 dollars. like either save the money and get the free coins or don't like it's a good deal
1: most of triple a titles from nintendo are in there even arms is in there for yeah. good sake <laughs>
0: Right, and it's like there's, you know, like fairly recent stuff. Like if you didn't pick up, you know, let's go Pikachu or Eevee, like that's on that list. It's like you know, it's basically anything that's been published by Nintendo Mm -hmm. at a AAA capacity is on this list. Um, Because even stuff like, uh, uh, like Octopath and the World Ends with You remix and stuff is on there. So there's there's a lot of quality titles on here that. Especially, I think, if you're, like, a new Switch purchaser. Like, if you got your Switch, you know, recently or even over the holidays and you missed some of the earlier releases, great deal. And um, it does have uh, a few unreleased titles that are eligible, like Super Mario Maker 2. You can pre-order that. That was kind of, like, their big ad for it. And um, they have announced that games like Fire Emblem Three Houses and Astral Chain will be available in the future. So if you decide that you want to, you know, buy these a little bit down the road, there will be a few more games that come into the fold. Um, but essentially, these are valid for one year within the date of your purchase, uh, but they're only going to be available for purchase until July 31st. So the absolute latest, you can plunk down your, you know, roughly, you know, 80 to $99 <laughs> and get these games will be July 31st, but then you'll be able to redeem it until July 2020. So any game that comes out in that window seems like will probably be available to you. Um, and you've got pretty good options here, which is nice. Like you are able to either, if you want to redeem both of them right now for two of the games on this list, that's cool. If you want to grab a game and pre-order another, that's an option for you as well. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think this is a, a pretty solid deal. Like if you if you are the kind of person who knows that you're going to buy a number of big Nintendo releases for the year or wants to fill in your backlog for something that you missed and you're saving a couple bucks, getting a couple gold coins, why not?
1: The, the one piece of advice I'd give people that are going to buy the tickets is the list of AAA titles does contain a mix of like $39.99, 49 99 and 59.99 games. Yeah. Um. So I'd probably, you know, buy the fifty nine ninety nine ones only. Otherwise, you're not going to get the maximum discount. It'll kind of average out to be, you know, only like a five dollar or ten dollar saving.
0: Yeah. Which is, I mean, obviously, like money saved is money saved. Mm-hmm. But try to be strategic with this one.
1: <laughs> See tears falling from George's eyes because we're talking about
0: digital games. <laughs> I know. I was gonna ask. I was like, so are are either of you guys gonna get this? George's. No. <laughs> no way.
2: it's not physical, I don't want to
1: know. To be fair, in the UK, most of the games like 10 to 20 quid cheaper physical
0: anyway, so. Alright, so moving into our main topic this week, uh, we are going to talk about physical games and pick George's uh, brain here. So we threw out the, uh, the pot signal... Out on Twitter and on, uh, do you like that the pot <laughs> signal? That's a new one. We've gone make that thing. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Wait. Can you make that pixel? Can you just draw like the light with the the pot logo? <laughs> We're definitely gonna have a yeah. Uh,
1: what, what did you call the, it? The, the pot, pot
0: signal. <laughs> like pot like signal. Batman, the bat signal. <laughs> we had to call out it's the terrible. pot sense. Uh So we we threw out the call to you guys on Twitter and over on our Discord, uh, which you can go join, um, and you should go join um to see what you guys wanted to ask George and we got a plenty of questions so let's start with uh the first one that we got uh this one comes from at super rare games uh and they ask why is he so good looking so George (laughs) can you can you answer why are you so good looking it's a good question
2: because that obviously wasn't me either. Um, I don't know who runs the super rare Twitter, but they've obviously got
0: good taste of men. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it says in your bio that it's run by at super rare George. It's really... <laughs> oh, no. Is there another? <laughs> is there another George at the company there must or be doppelganger somewhere? Oh, um, okay. It's a very valid question,
2: and it's uh, it's one I ask myself every day as well. So it's I'm glad it's
0: also on there. <laughs> it's like how how did I get so good looking? <laughs> uh, so uh, we got um, one from at Big Fly Walking over on Twitter who asks, "Any chance of a Mega ZX Spectrum compilation in the future?" I'm sure this is a question you can definitely answer, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I guess
2: quite question, like, similar questions where it kind of, they'll say their favorite games on past consoles and stuff and be like, can we do something with that? Obviously, there's the technical, technical constraints to actually release, like, a game which isn't fun, like, for, for us to work on a game, it needs to be running on Switch, which generally needs to be actually out and available to purchase digitally. Uh, but to, like, port a game from, like, an old, old console is, you know, very difficult and unless they're, like, completely remade and rebuilt, it's, it's not possible. So generally, when we work on stuff, it, you know, it has to be a- available d- digitally. So the answer to that question is
0: almost definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so do, yeah, yeah, yeah. does that does that also answer this next question that came from Tisco at In-G-S-Mule? oh That's where I, that's how I'm <laughs> going with it. Smule on Twitter it says, "Can you make a GTA trilogy happen?" So you're telling me you can't you can't make a game happen. I mean, obviously, no, no, Rockstar,
2: it. Rockstar want to work with us, so we've obviously got the license for that
0: for these games. Um,
2: it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll be, yeah. It, it's it's highly possible. Is uh, how I leave it. You
1: see, we're we're actually on a video feed, and the listeners can't see, but on the wall behind you, you've got this framed GTA trilogy yeah, on Switch. So yeah, exactly. we should probably make people aware of that.
0: That's game seventeen. Did we just confirm it? Yeah, we just confirmed it. It's GTA
2: <laughs> trilogy. But yeah, we get we get sort of similar questions a lot. Like and I think kind of AAA is so, so difficult to ever really convince because you know for them they're focused on the next big thing and doing a physical release of an old game is not going to be much revenue for them. Um, it depends, obviously, like what scale. Like there's obviously smaller AAA companies that might be able to like be convinced,
0: but it's very rare. It's super rare, even it, some it, might it's say. Super rare. Yeah, very su- <laughs> are we super rare. Yeah, I might do that uh so our next question comes from uh at kid underscore scrub over on twitter who asks what is something we customers probably overlook and or take for granted in this digital to limited physical business So is that what are we we customers yeah what, what do like we as customers overlook from your side of the business like what are the things that we don't think about in terms of what it takes to get one of these games to print
2: yeah i thought yeah sorry originally i thought you meant like the nintendo wii and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I, was, I was like, "What do the weak customers take for granted?" Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's so much that goes into a physical release, like the actual manufacturing and the packaging and the sending of games. And I think sometimes people are like, "Why didn't you release this game?" And it's like, "Well, because either they didn't want to, or like." Just to actually have conversations with them is is difficult, people be like, "Oh, you know why didn't you release yeah, why didn't you release cuphead? and it's like, well, obviously, if we could release cuphead we would, yeah, we like we like money, we would definitely print cuphead, <laughs> yeah exactly, <laughs> I think the pro people people miss is that there's so much that goes into the shipping you know we can't offer very cheap shipping in you know instant times we 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 do very very good stuff and we ship very quickly and you know, our shipping service is very, very good, but people sometimes forget that we're not Amazon sort
0: of thing. So uh, how many people do work with you? That's super rare. It's a good question. And
2: it's a difficult one to answer because in terms of full-time employees, it's almost probably like just me. And then there's a few others, like Lindsay, who does a customer service. Um, again is yeah in a lot of of time as well our shipping team is very kind of like scalable in the sense that when we need shippers they're kind of in and um so it's all kind of part-time stuff um but i think that kind of plays into everyone's life as well like everyone that does shipping and stuff that kind of you know will be very busy have a lot going on and stuff and it kind of suits them quite well um so it's a very difficult question to answer in terms of how big we are we probably got like what like maybe seven or eight maybe nine people that are kind of in semi-regularly uh but in
0: terms of people that are like in the office every day it's basically just me um so we are a very specific. well. I think that speaks volumes about what you we are talking about, right? I wonder how many people realize that the team is that small and that you know, um, yeah, you don't have a ton of full time
2: support. No, and it kind of is um, a sentiment to 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 kind of how efficient we've got that people wouldn't even realize that we're that small team. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, so this actually that t- goes into our next question really well. This comes from at uh, JP's Switch Mania um who asks oh yeah he's cool guy. oh so yeah he's he's a a fan of yours
2: yeah he's a big super fan really really big super
0: fan he's very cool guy
1: well shout out to him they've staged this i'm gonna say they've staged this now because he knew who he was
0: (laughs) uh so um he asks how long of a process is it to sign a company slash game and bring it all the way to the hands of your customers
2: Again, it depends on, at the start, I mean, the quickest turnaround we've had were, in the space of about three months we had from initial conversation, for me pitching to actually having it in consumers, for a very short amount of time. Games now for sort of 2020, mid, middle to end of 2020 is like our next available slots. So, um, and people, I'm very upfront about that and people really are kind of are on the same wavelength when it comes to that um it's about two months that process maybe a bit less but i always kind of want to have you you waiting for slots to be available so you know it could be two months it could be a year um but again i'm always very upfront about that and people are always very aware and we try and like i try and tie it in with any marketing activity that might happen with the game like if there's any sort of additional updates or you know the one year anniversary we've actually got a game coming out that will almost be the 10 year anniversary and it might also be number 17 uh oh did i just uh give away too much but
0: um so drop yeah in the spoilers. Spoilers.
1: drop in the spoilers
0: <laughs> so sir turnip at war turn 11 on uh, twitter asks um i'm going to paraphrase this question a little bit he's asking if you guys have expanded or considering expanding to other regions like australia or new zealand so it depends on like how you define necessarily scaling up um we generally, so
2: the way each region works is like Nintendo is split into kind of separate companies and when you place an order, you're placing with different regions. Um, so we work, we order through Nintendo of Europe. You have a minimum order quantity with each region. They're almost completely separate kind of standalone orders. So it's actually very difficult to manage that. So if I was, you know, placing orders with necessarily the Australian stuff and getting, I think it's the off cloud, I think is the, the name of the, um, they like their age rating i'd have to get that approved by them and then print with them so it kind of it becomes really convoluted so we do ship to those regions and we do have customers in those regions but to actually kind of step up and be in different regions is difficult because we probably need an office in that space and almost like run as a separate company um the probably the biggest market we have is um america and north america so if we did have an office there or something that would result in, again, loads of complications because people are then buying either, either the ESRB rating or they're buying the PEGI rating. And that process has becomes really difficult logistically. So it's like, I can pretty much guarantee that we'll only ever work kind of in the European space in terms of the actual manufacturing of the game, but we always will ship worldwide. Like it's 73 different countries we ship to. So, um, so yeah, that will always, will always be worldwide in that sense. But in terms of the actual manufacturing, it will always be Europe.
0: Uh, so this one actually comes from our uh, our Discord channel, uh, from Ram, who is a, uh, one of our patrons over on uh, Patreon.com slash LootPots. I almost said loopotscom slash Patreon. Plug, which is plug, probably, plug, 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 plug. That's probably a link we should set up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, shout out to Ram. And um, they asked, what game so far has presented the biggest challenge in obtaining the rights to distribution? What sort of qualms do some developers have for you allowing to just... Dis- to dis- to distribute for them, excuse me, and how do you manage that? Really good question. So it comes into a few different categories. So when
2: we work with really small indie studios, firstly, they're they're so small that you talk to the main person or the main people and you pitch the idea, and generally they're going to be ready for it because it's kind of, for them, it's extra revenue stream. It's an extra kind of item to have in their collection and sort of be proud of and be like, you know, immortalize their game as a physical version. So generally, indie studios are always going to be up for it. Um, unless they've got other offers and it kind of becomes a case of you know picking and choosing the right deal for them. So generally indie studios are very easy to work with in that sense to actually pitch and they don't have too many qualms about things. With bigger companies, you then have different kind of issues that come. So for example, with worms, Worms, which wasn't a difficult thing to work with, but a difficult one in terms of that's a big IP, which has, you know, when we're making stuff with it, it has to be consistent with their themes to make sure that you know, they're a very big company, Team Seventeen, who made Worms and published it. So there's a lot more hoops you need to jump through in that sense. Um, the other, the, the two ones that jump out in terms of being like our biggest releases in terms of the size of the studios and also the scope of the game is Snake Pass and Worms. Um, Snake Pass again are the you know one of the big uh, the, the developer called Sumo Digital, one of the biggest companies in the UK in terms of video game stuff. They just released um, the Sonic racing game. Uh they did they worked on Hitman, they worked on Little Blue Planet 3, they worked on some really, really big stuff. Um so to pitch to them, you know, the financial offering is almost nothing for them, so it's more trying to get them excited about it. Um so the qualms generally with studios will just be, is this is this revenue is this opportunity from a business perspective worthwhile for us spending their time to actually try and work on the on the release? Um even though we handle pretty much everything, it's still like this idea of an opportunity cost where if they're going to have to put someone on it to look at the legal document and get the game approved and signed, then they're still spending time on things, which obviously has a cost implication. Um, so for me, it'd be the, the challenge is always trying to stay true to, true to a big brand, which is, for example, Worms. And then also trying to actually make the offering attractive to bigger clients who, for them, making the amount of money they make from it is negligible. And the joke I made with Sumo was it'll pay for your Christmas party sort of thing. <laughs> and their response was it probably won't even pay for that. So um so yeah, that's uh that can be challenging to pitch for. But um small indie studio is very easy. It just, you know, it's a it's a very kind of ludicrous ludic- ludic- the word, lucrative uh deal for them. They're gonna make a lot of money from it. And for them as well, it's a very positive experience to help promote the game and, you know, get the game out in a physical format. Awesome. Uh,
0: so we're wrapping up here. I've got two more for you. This was uh, the last one I've got from Twitter. This comes from @theonlyhawks with an X. Very, very 90s extreme. Uh, will you restock <laughs> any of your previous physical releases? It's a question we get lost a lot as well, and unfortunately not. Um for me,
2: I did, a, I did a talk at university recently and my kind of big thing that I was trying to promote was that the brand is the most important thing. And we could probably easily print a thousand copies of every single game we've released and sell them, but for me, it's the brand is very important and the core ethos of what we're trying to do is make it viable for Indies to sell their games physically. And if we print it to demand, if we print as many copies as we could, it becomes that value, that inherent value of products gets lost. And, you know... We wouldn't be able to, you know, if we were selling games as many as we could, we could only fully sell it games for the same price as they sell digitally. Mm. And at that price point, you there's no margin after the cost of goods. So to actually make it viable, you have to try and make it exclusive somehow. And the way we do that is by printing, you know, a one, one-time print, and then it's gone forever, and then we move on to the next game. So for us, there'll be a few logistical issues. If we started printing any copies of, you know, our old games, then it means that from a warehouse perspective and from like a, a mindset perspective, we have to be focused on all the different releases at one time. Whereas at the moment, you know, we ship Earthlock, which is our latest game, it's shipping at the moment. And when that's gone, Earthlock's done and we kind of then move on to the next project. So from a very small company it's very important that we're kind of focused on the next thing. Um and make sure our resources aren't, you know, spread too thinly. Um and then again it's the whole idea of the exclusivity of our brand is very important to us. So if we kind of, a lot of people bought the games knowing that they're rare and obviously people will miss out and that's always unfortunate and not something that I'm ever too too happy about and proud about. But for us, we have to be able to have a an advantage to what we're doing in terms of from a consumer perspective. So it's very important that we have that level of exclusivity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think anybody who remembers the Amiibo craze can understand the the collector's <laughs> mentality, right? Like part of the appeal is getting something that's, you know that's that's limited oh 100 uh, percent. okay so our last two questions today uh come from a regular listener of the show uh mr osobi over in our discord uh channel which again you should come join and hang out with uh all the pots heads give me an invite I'll 100 <laughs> we'll definitely do so um so uh he asks my question would be is he afraid that the demand for physical games would one day die out and what would they do if game consoles stopped supporting physical games and went digital only It's kind of like foreshadowing kind of like what keeps me up at night, which is good. Well, yeah, I think it's,
2: um, it's my deepest, darkest uh, nightmare. (laughs) So physical products will, will categorically die out. Like there's no, I'm, I, there's no doubt about that. And, um, the, the best trying, like the best comparative is with the, with the music industry, it's become super digital and very, very small. I I think I did some percentages recently. I think it was like 80% of global music revenue comes from digital media slash streaming and that's revenue. So a lot of the money that's actually the profit coming from, from physical media will be really low because obviously you have cost of goods and time associated with that. Um, Physical media will die out because there will be consoles that don't support physical media and that's purely out of convenience. And when streaming becomes a viable option, that will become the normal Um, physical media will die out. That's that's, that's the thing. And hopefully I'm probably estimating it's sort of ten to twenty years before that happens, so I'm kind of not too concerned by that. Um, in terms of the business, hopefully at that point we'll be big enough that we can do other things and have other ventures, and it'll be interesting. Um, if we're yeah, if we're even there at that point. Um,
0: what was the other part of the question? Sorry, that was uh, yeah. Then the the other part was, what would you do if game consoles stopped supporting physical physical games and went digital only? So I guess, do you have any thoughts on what? what that pivot would be yeah
2: i mean pivot generally will be i think there always will be an appeal for physical media there's there's no doubt about that there always will be people out there that want to buy stuff physically and you know vinyl records of shown that with the music, music industry where it's been a kind of pivot in that way sure the difference with the music industry is that a record player will always be a record player whereas the latest console will always be the latest console and that will change so, for example, there will eventually not support the Switch, for example, and there won't be physical media that you can print for the Switch. So that kind of dies with that sort of thing. So you can't like with a vinyl record, you can always print vinyl records, and they can always be, you know, played worldwide uh, by any record player. Um, so, so yeah, what would we do? I mean, merchandise is a big one, obviously, creating like memorabilia to do with games, which is kind of a big thing with games anyway. Uh, that for me isn't as an attractive kind of I wouldn't be as enthused by that as actual physical gaming stuff, but it is an idea. Um, and any sort of physical products can work with that. The other kind of way is we can become a traditional publisher and just, you know, publish games in that sense and try and have like themes in our games that are inherently rare or have some sort of scarcity built into that. Um, so I think that's the two different pivots, a traditional games publisher and then also, you know, merchandise similar to sort of what Fangamer do or, you know, numbskull in the UK. Um, that's probably the other way
0: we'd pay Kind of similar to um, what, uh, are you familiar with IndieBox? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of similar where like, since it's all like Steam codes and stuff, like, you know, it's like the physical box and still getting that package, having the book to flip through and all that stuff. I think people are always going to want that even if there isn't a cart that you yeah. need to play the software.
2: Definitely. I think. I think the cart is kind of going to Kill a lot of people's interest, but there's always going to be people interested in, yeah, you know, the art book associated with this game that you love and all these different stuff that go with it. So that will always be there. And always, yeah, some sort of way of kind of celebrating a release that you really like is always going to be there. Um, But yeah, physical cartridges will die out and physical media generally will die out. But hopefully, by the time that happens, um, I'm retired and chilling.
1: (laughs) Playing all those games you've got. Chilling on a beach somewhere. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've got two questions for you that i thought up and I want to know the answers to.
0: Wait, wait, let me let me ask Asobi's very last question, Pixel. Oh, we have another one. Sorry, this is on. la- it, was, it was like he gave us like a two-parter for the first one. This is a fun okay. one. So before, you know, physical games die out, are there any specific games that you would love to do a, a limited re- uh, release for? So just take anything out of the like any constraints off the table. If you guys could do any game, what would be the game? So, I mean, Advanced Wars is cool. a big one for me. So like, that would be amazing. I'm a big fan
2: of that pick. I'm going to sneak my questions in though. All
1: so. right, go ahead, buddy. So you've just released your first collector's edition for Earthlock, right? How many games coming up are you going to be doing collector's editions for? How many have you got in the works?
2: So with collector's editions, I don't want to do them too frequently. And my kind of mentality towards it was to try and create a really big box with loads of really cool stuff in it and try and create something that super fans of the game would love. With that in mind, we're a very small team, I think. So we always want to make sure that we create each product amazingly well and to really high quality. Um, maybe one more this year. It's always very infrequent because I don't want people to have to spend a lot of money on our website. That's very important to me. Um, so, yeah, probably one more this year and then probably a couple next okay. year as well.
1: Nice. And my final question is, because you yeah. mentioned earlier, you've already kind of got games lined up until mid-2020, so you obviously know what they are. Can you give us like can you describe the next five games can you describe each game in one word
2: in one word that's that's a really good one
1: so going through 17 to like 22 you gotta describe each game you're gonna release in one single word
2: that's really good that's a really good question so 17 I'm gonna go clunky
1: <laughs> clunky all right
2: you, you know what 17 is so like you see that I
1: know what 17 is so yeah that makes sense to me
2: yeah okay cool 18. Gory. Okay. okay. Gory. Um, All right. Nineteen. Cute. Twenty. Um. Intense.
1: Intense.
2: Twenty-one. Uh. Heartfelt. Okay. Uh. Twenty-two.
0: Uh. Funny. And there we go. There we cute, go. heartfelt and funny all definitely appeal to me so i'm okay do they you have my attention so you want to give me your credit
2: card details and i'll ship them when
0: they're ready <laughs> those, those
2: games
1: <laughs> just give me a switch box of cute written on the front there Yeah, you go.
0: perfect <laughs> i mean cute heartfelt and funny that's like that's the venn diagram where undertale exists right in the middle right
2: yeah exactly and then adding in gory and intense is like a if you play the genocide, genocide right? Uh, genocide uh, route.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's clearly the GTA trilogy. You know? <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, like,
0: all right,
2: yeah. Well, maybe they're all the GTA. You, heard it here. Trilogy. you know, it's like all. Um, yeah, we split the trilogy into five different parts. <laughs> good questions. That's some pretty really good questions in there. I always like it when there's interesting stuff I haven't been asked before because I usually get a very similar questions.
0: Yeah, so big thank you to all the Potsheads out there on Twitter and our Discord channel who uh, who sent in their questions. Remember, if you listeners at home uh, want to get your questions right on the show, you can try writing into us at Potscast at loopots.com. But then you have to get past Pixel. So really the best way is to just <laughs> hit me up on Twitter, at loud underscore Pete, or go visit uh, – uh, us on our at our Discord channel, which I've plugged, I think, three times already. But go check out our <laughs> Discord channel; it's really great. <laughs> <laughs> one of us,
1: one of yeah, us. Yeah, come,
0: uh, come join the squad. Um, and you know, if you want to get access to our uh, super exclusive uh, channel, you can go support us over on Patreon and uh, secure yourself a number of other goodies, like our After Dark pot, uh podcast, which comes out once a week now on Mondays, generally. Uh, and you can hear um you know me and pixel and steve and uh, sometimes guests talk about everything from why american cheese is actually cheese to uh cockney slang to talking about how Hershey's kisses taste like burps, apparently. So it's a great show, and it's well worth your time <laughs> and uh, your money, we think. So we would appreciate it if you had head over to our Patreon and give us your support. And remember, if you don't have any money to throw away and you want to support the show, you can do so by giving us a like on your podcast platform of choice, uh, visiting us, and subscribing to us over on YouTube or Twitch. Um, you guys know how to internet. You share the show. You go follow us in all the places. You go to Twitter and follow at Loop Potts. It'll be a good time. Uh, so big thanks again to George for joining us. Uh, this was a blast. Hope we can have you again on soon. Uh, maybe um, when... Uh, he- yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe um, after 17 comes out, we can have you back on to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Talk, talk about Clunky. Okay.
2: <laughs> you can see us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, it's all Super Rare Games.
0: That's uh, all our handles. So uh, yeah, come and, come and say hi. We should have links in the description down below as well. <laughs> awesome awesome uh so yeah thanks again george and uh it's been a great time we will catch you guys next week for another episode of the podcast